We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Saturday. Hopefully, you're having some fun uh, watching some college football, drinking some coffee, whatever uh, the case may be on this uh, crisp fall Saturday morning, first day of October. It's been a, it's been a good week, man. So um, here to obviously talk about our, our final preview wrap-up for the Chargers and Texans game. We are also going to do our usual Q&A with all of the proceeds that we raised from today's show uh, dedicated to Trace Whitaker, obviously uh, Zach Whitaker's newborn baby going through a tough time right now uh, with a, a bit of a medical issue. So uh, obviously sending the well wishes, thoughts and prayers to Zach and his family and baby Trace. And hopefully uh, we raise some good money today. So if you do so, feel inclined. The uh, link is right here in the chat. You can go and donate right there directly, or you can use the Super Chat feature to ask a specific question ahead of the Chargers and Texans game, and we'll be sure to uh, you know, link that over to Zach and his family in this hard time. So uh, joining me to do all of that today are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? Doing very well and happy to help. We have been doing this as much as we sort of can on some Saturdays. Since we really started as, as much as we really could, and I'm happy to do it because Zach's a great guy, a great Chargers fan, of course, and I can't imagine being in this situation and watching my newborn be helicoptered elsewhere to get yeah. treatment. I just nightmare scenarios. If anybody can help, um, super chats are great, obviously, and we'll send any of those that we get to the GoFundMe. 
but YouTube does take you know a certain amount. So if you'd rather just go donate to the GoFundMe directly, that would actually be better. Uh, but either way, the money will get there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Zach's here in the chat. Appreciate you and your support. You know, Zach's been uh, one of the biggest supporters of the show since day one. He was, I think, he was like the sixth or seventh person to sign up on our Patreon page. So, um, you know, this is obviously something that, like Tyler said, we uh, are happy to do for somebody like Zach who is well deserving. And uh, obviously, none of us have kids at this point. But like Tyler said, man, I I, I just could not fathom sitting there having like this joyous moment and then have this baby just kind of taken away from me and taken to another hospital. So um, all the best wishes to uh, Trace and uh, and Zach and his family. Um, Alex, what's up, man? How you doing today? Yeah, Zach's been a loyal guy since uh, day one and just happy to help him out here as best as we can. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before we get to the, the uh, questions, we do have some uh, as always, some injury updates, although a little bit more uh, positive uh, of on this week um, outside of potentially Keenan Allen. So um, Justin Herbert, first and foremost, man, no designation on the injury report, which is obviously fantastic. He's had two full days of practice in a row. He's been able to throw uh, two days in a row. And uh, I think that's obviously great news for Herbert. You know, uh, Joe Lombardi said on Thursday that, he feels like there's going to be a lot more confidence heading into this week um, because of Justin and the way that he has progressed. Obviously, he hasn't healed. He's not going to heal for quite a while. Um, but it sounds like Justin's feeling great, and that's obviously fantastic news for the Chargers, obviously, and the way that they'll be able to kind of call this game plan and have confidence in the way that Justin is going to be able to throw right away. So that, that to me, was obviously like the biggest positive takeaway uh, was that Justin did not have an injury designation, full practice, full participant in practice, two days in a row. Yeah, I know people are sick of hearing the Joe Lombardi, you know, weekly, oh, I was a bit conservative <laughs> here. But Staley said, like, we, the quarterback's protection and Herbert being protected is our number one priority with this offense. And then everything kind of, you know, goes from there. You have to protect Justin Herbert. And Lombardi said, yeah, we we didn't know how he'd respond. So we kept it kind of conservative and just kind of to see what happens. <clears throat> Now that he's he's not fully healthy, like he really isn't, but to see him be a, a full participant and them kind of knowing whether, whether he's at, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to just cough the rest of the time. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. Oh, so um, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tyler dies. Um, I think that uh, Joe Lombardi. <laughs> okay. I can't watch this. Um <laughs> No, I, I think that this is obviously good news for the Chargers. And Joe Lombardi sort of talked about kind of being a little bit more conservative last week because of the Herbert thing. So it, this uh, is what kind of allows him to open up the playbook more than obviously would love to see that. Um, curious to see how the playbook will be on a week where Keenan Allen, you know, as Steven said, kind of isn't playing. And Jamari Salier is is the starting tackle now, um, as opposed to, you know, Rashawn Slater and Trey Pipkins. Now it's Trey Pipkins and Jamari, I'm curious how you know he'll hold up. Obviously, Corey Lindsley is back, so I'm just curious to see how all of these factors in the injury report contribute to uh, Joel Lombardi's play calling. Obviously, Herbert is the first big positive, but obviously, still a lot of things to kind of take care of in terms of how Lombardi will call the game with this personnel. Yeah, absolutely, and of course, there were uh, you know Lombardi caught a lot of flack for his quote about this, and I, I I understand like given who it's coming from, but also 
it's understandable, right? Like your your star quarterback is dealing with a rib injury. You you know five minutes before game time that he's going to be able to play. And so I think it's just kind of natural for him to kind of feel that process out. I, I didn't necessarily feel like they were too conservative. I felt like they were passing the ball a lot. Um, to me, if anything, they should have entered that game with a, a more conservative approach, you know, running the ball more often and, and then kind of seeing how Justin went along. So um, for that specific game, I, I don't necessarily blame Joe Lombardi for being too conservative or not having like a firm grasp on how Justin was feeling before kickoff. All right. We'll see how this goes. Um, <laughs> but no, like Alex said, yeah, Herbert's supposedly back more and maybe Joe Lombardi will be quote unquote less conservative, but then you have the other injuries. Like, are we expecting them to run heavy play action, deep shots with Jamari Salyer at left tackle in his first game? Probably not. Are we expecting much with Keenan Allen out? No, Donald Parham's going to sit another week. So I don't really know what's going to change, but like Steven said in our preview show, on the rock. Like if this is any week to figure it out, do it against a team that's not good at stopping the run. Yeah, you know, Mitchell Schwartz uh, was on the Athletic Football Show talking about um, all of the teams that are dealing with the loss of a, a star left tackle. And, um, you know, one of the things that he mentioned specifically that that changes in your game plan are those like long developing deep play action concepts because on those play designs, the left tackle is kind of the the center stone of everything that's happening because you're asking that left tackle to essentially act like he's run blocking, but then really pass blocking probably the best pass rusher on the field at that specific point because you're usually overloading the left side of the field. So how does that change with Jamari? Well, you're, you're going to ask Jamari to be, you know, the focal point of blocking Jerry Hughes in this specific matchup or Jonathan Grenard or whoever the case may be. Um, and I don't know if you can really do that at the same kind of level. So we're, we're going to have to see, you know, this team adjust. And that's something that Brandon Staley has talked about as well. You know, they're going to have to make adjustments, change the game plan uh, with the amount of injuries that they have been dealing with. So um, obviously Rashawn changes that Justin's health changes that. Um, but we'll see, man. Like I, I think, the kind of adjustments that I want to see from Joe Lombardi in this game plan aren't really adjustments that we've seen them make a ton of outside of like the Philadelphia game where they went really like RPO heavy, bootleg heavy. There weren't many other games where they really kind of went out of their way to get Justin on the move to kind of protect him. So um, we'll see if that happens this week and going forward. Uh, I mean, the name that we haven't mentioned in terms of injuries is the Jalen Guyton one. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. curious to see how that changes, you know, how conservative or not conservative they are. Not that they were taking all these deep shots to Guyton, but we finally got the big one last game and then immediately sort of taken away from us. And now they signed John Hightower, who I would assume that they're going to activate tomorrow from the practice squad. So curious to see how he fits into these things as well. Um, but just from the receiver group, you don't have Keenan Allen as your separator. You don't really have your deep shot guy. And so now you're sort of left with Williams, Carter and, and Palmer to kind of figure out like who who's going to be the guy that separates and gets those yards. It's probably not going to be Mike Williams. Um, it's probably going to have to either be Carter or Palmer if the Chargers are going to have success uh, in that regard this game. Yeah, I'm just we'll we'll find out in a few hours if they elevate anybody from the practice squad. But um, this receiving core of Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Jason Moore, and DeAndre Carter, man, like 
I, I I need some speed in there, guys. I, I really do. Like I, I need somebody to run less than a four four for this to, be, to kind of work. I think, um, but we'll see how that works out. Um, quick shout outs, of course, to Zach Pearson uh, for sending some good vibes and money to Zach Whitaker, um, as well as Ed, Ed Miesis. I'm, I'm guessing is is that one, and then Tara Romero as well. Um, Tara, big Oregon fan. Hopefully, going to meet up with her and a bunch of the other. Chargers fans up in Oregon when I uh, make that trip up there next month. So, oh, you're going to Oregon for the Utah game? Yes, yes. Wow, uh, that cool. is so. It's, oh, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brooke and I. This is this is our fifth wedding anniversary this year, and so we obviously wanted to do a bit of a, a trip. So uh, we're going up to uh, Oregon. We're going to go to the game and then spend a few days in Portland and in that area. So should be fun. Uh, I will preemptively announce that I am the world's biggest Utah fan uh, <laughs> next week as they play uh, Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah, I've always wanted to go to Austin, man. I've, I've never been able to make it up there. And obviously the Pac-12 is kind of going down the shitter. So, um, you know, wanted to make sure I got to some of these uh, Pac-12 venues before the uh, conference went away. Um, all right, moving on to Corey Lindsley. Sounds like he's going to play, uh, even though he didn't practice at all yesterday. Um, that's obviously a huge boost uh, as they lose Rashawn Slater. You get Corey Lindsley back in the lineup. Um, theoretically, that should help in a, in various ways, right? Because you get a, a more sound protection plan with Corey in there. And I think as you're kind of pivoting to more of an inside running game, which I do expect them to do because of Jamari Sawyer's uh, lack of elite athleticism in space. Um, obviously getting Corey in there for Will Clapp, who, who had been fine. Like, I, I think that Will Clapp is a capable backup. It's just, you know, going from an all-pro center who's been there and seen everything uh, is obviously a bit different. So getting Corey Lindsley back this week, it should be a huge help. Yeah, massive. Not that it was all on Will Clapp last week, but... What did the charges allow in terms of pressures? Was it 25? 25 total, yeah. 25. Now, granted, they dropped back a lot and kind of unnecessarily. But still, like going from 25 to literally anything else but 25 that's below that would be great. So Corey Lindsay back is huge and part of the reason I'm, I'm more optimistic for this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious to see how this one's managed because obviously we saw him uh, play against the Chiefs then then come out at you know halftime uh, and you know sort of try an injection and then not come back uh, after that injection didn't take. So I'm more curious because obviously it seems like he's in position to play this week, but just how that'll be managed um, over the course of the game and over the course of these next few weeks as if the Chargers are going to string together some wins here, they need Corey Lindsley in the lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And his leadership is obviously going to, uh, you know, be at, at the focal point going forward. Um, so Tyler, you obviously did that interview with, uh, Jameson last weekend talking about Corey Lindsley's injury. And then also with JC Jackson's injury, who also will be back this week, did not, does not have an injury designation, uh, himself. Um, if you could just do like a quick summary of, of what you kind of heard last week from Jameson and, and what Chargers fans can expect about Corey and JC over the next few weeks. I mean, JC being back is great we weren't we're still not entirely sure like it's such a weird situation <laughs> so everything's kind of a bit speculation with that one but mm -hmm. it just seems like you know nothing really got worse he was just sore and you know they tested it out didn't work out so well like or at least as a, maybe they would have hoped 
but everything should be fine moving forward. And he said that, listen, if JC has been playing this entire time at like 90%, even with New England, and this helps him get to 100%, even though he missed a couple of games and it's frustrating, if he somehow gets to something better physically than he's ever been, that's huge. So that'd be awesome. So we're kind of optimistic there. And then Corey Lindsley is just a management thing. Like he probably could have played last week, but it's managing that pain, that issue. Not quite like Justin Herbert, but sort of like it's a load management thing. He's sitting in that squat the whole damn game practically. Yeah. And then you know, trying to work on like, I can't imagine having a knee issue and having to do that over and over and over again. So um, it's, it's kind of just pain management. You know, can he tolerate certain things and whatnot? With that said, uh, Jameson will be back on with me in like two hours. So I'll be interviewing him <laughs> then. We'll get an update then. So I'll just have him re-explain everything. Um, also, I just want to update a couple things. So Thomas Martinez sent in a super chat. I'm Zach Pearson. We'll get to those questions in a bit. I know um, Jason Staley on the GoFundMe donated $200. That's huge. Zach Pearson has donated here. He also went to the GoFundMe, did it, donated $15. And then my mom just went on to the GoFundMe and donated $500. So we're cruising. We're moving through, uh, trying to help. I think we're between all of that, we're, I think we're going to hit like a thousand dollars. So Let's we're going go. so far. It's looking really good. Thank you so much, guys. Everyone's doing a great job. Yeah, honestly, appreciate that so much. Um, you know, I do think that the JC Jackson recovery, it's a huge boost. It cannot be said enough. You know, the Chargers last week decided to blitz Trevor Lawrence on like 40% of his dropbacks, and it did not go so well. I, I felt like watching that film that Doug and Trevor, like, almost knew when the blitzes were coming and when to just immediately hit the hot routes and then left the chargers just kind of hanging. So the Chargers were playing a lot of zone last week, um, did not necessarily do a great job of like um, passing off those concepts. And, you know, there was a specific time where the chargers had two guys over to the left side and the two Jaguars receivers, like just basically ran clear out routes. And then Travis Etienne just leaked out. It was like a 15 yard game, like easy peasy. Um, so the Chargers are going to have to workshop that, right? I think with JC in there, you can play a lot more man coverage and you're able to probably be a more effective blitzing team, which um, outside of last week, they were a great blitzing team in the first two games. So um, getting JC back obviously changes the math, allows them to play more man coverage, which should free up more effective blitz looks, designer looks, as Brandon Staley calls them. Um, all right. Obviously, we mentioned Keenan Allen. Um, he's not playing this week. Sounds like he unfortunately did suffer a setback with the hamstring injury. Uh, Brandon Staley did not call it a significant setback, but obviously felt something off on Thursday, which is why he left uh, with a trainer at practice. Um, Jameson again mentioned last week that there's there's always a high chance of somebody with a hamstring injury re-injuring that hamstring injury or re-aggravating it as they kind of get back to football, which we've obviously seen with Donald Parham. Uh, and now we're seeing, unfortunately, again with Keenan Allen. So not going to play this week. I'd be pretty surprised if he plays next week at this point, uh, given how Brandon State has kind of handled the Donald Parham injury. Um, until we see Keenan Allen be a full participant in practice, I don't think anybody should be expecting him back over the next two weeks. Yeah, that's really fucking peachy. <laughs> I know it's great. Again, I'll I'll talk to Jameson in a bit about this, so I'll kind of get an understanding of maybe what could be going on here. But definitely unfortunate. We're just so close to getting this offense just close-ish enough, even without Rashawn Slater, and just ah, 
a setback. It's 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 pretty disappointing. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think really what they lose with Keenan Allen is just, I mean, a lot, but their ability to just create easy opportunities. And right now, they don't have that because Mike Williams is not going to be that separating type of receiver. Um, Josh Palmer really hasn't been to this point either. DeAndre Carter occasionally, but like they're not really, they don't really have guys that can separate right now. And that's going to be a huge problem aside from maybe Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield once in a while or, or Gerald Everett. Uh, on a couple concepts so i mean losing keenan allen and just him as a safety valve him as everything is just so huge uh, in terms of his connection with herbert as well so i think that's really what the loss of of keenan allen is probably for uh, i don't want to say the foreseeable future but if he's already re-aggravated a hamstring then i think the chargers are probably going to play pretty conservative for at least the next two or three weeks like steven said yeah, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we find out in a few hours that he gets placed on IR. I mean, we'll see, but um, you know, given what that reaggravation process can look like, I, I just have a hard time thinking that he's back in three weeks. Like, I, I just, I don't know. But I guess we'll see. Um, Donald Parham uh, should be back next week, which is good news. Did a full participant in practice on Friday, which was great news. Um, sounds like they are just wanting him to get fully back up to speeding and being conservative there, which I think is ultimately smart. Um, obviously signed Richard Rogers to the active roster this week. Um, so we'll see what happens in terms of roster construction, but it does sound like Donald Parham, uh, should get back on the field next week against the Browns, which would be a huge boost in the blocking game. Uh, cause they have really missed him. You know, I've talked about this a lot, but, um, the chargers ask, a ton out of their tight ends in the blocking game and uh it just has not been the same without parham so um hopefully he doesn't suffer another setback but sounds like he should be good to go next week against the browns genuinely asking because like i do not know we have sally or you have pipkins what are you doing with your tight ends to help either of those guys or both yeah so i think we'll see a lot of chipping um you know pretty much going forward i think that's probably what you're doing with trey mckitty um obviously you're doing a lot of slide protections i feel okay about pipkins being on a relative island if i'm being completely honest i I'd obviously he's not going to be performing at the same level of Rashawn slater but um <laughs> it's funny right because last year the left tackle is just this elite side right you're funneling every every kind of help possible to the right side the left side is kind of the focal point of the rushing attack and now this year, I feel like you just have to flip everything, right? Like, I think you run towards Zion and Pipkins as much as you can. You uh, slide left as opposing to slide right. So I expect a lot of help for Salyer. I don't think they're going to leave him on an island particularly because, I mean, Jerry Hughes has been balling this year and he's mostly rushing against left tackles. So um, lots of chipping. Of course, you can bring Xander Horvath in there as well. I would expect them to have six-man protections on pretty much like every route concept or at least kind of like delayed leak outs from the running backs. So um, that obviously changes things too. Like it's much harder to be an effective passing game when you can't have uh, five receivers out running routes. You're going to have four pretty much on every single passing concept until Sawyer kind of gets comfortable. Yeah. And I mean, the main way that they miss Parham right now, I think is the red zone. Um, they they don't that. have, they don't have tight ends. Like, I mean, Gerald Everett's like good, but they don't have tight ends in the red zone right now. I mean, that kind of, uh, work as effectively as Donald Parham does. And so I think that's like really the big thing. In addition to the blocking, in addition to all the other stuff Parham does, like that's clearly the one thing they've wanted from their tight end room that they just haven't gotten to this point because Parham hasn't played, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's uh, it for the injuries. 
20 minutes. Wow, only 22 minutes this time. It was 30 <laughs> last time. So, I mean, progress. Yeah, last time it was only, you know, it was, I think it was ended up being 15 minutes longer. So, um, all right, we'll get to our weekly pick segment here. Um, Alex gets to go first. So, Alex gets probably the biggest layup pick of <laughs> any layup pick we've ever had in the last three years doing this podcast. Uh, so, Alex, take it away. Well, Who's well. your first pick? <laughs> uh, I will take Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers over Brian Hoyer and Matt Patricia. Um, so <laughs> thank thank you for that one. Uh, I picked the right week to go first. And if this ends up blowing up in my face, I'll probably just not pick any games for the rest of the season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, but this should be a win. I mean, you got Aaron Rodgers right last week, so you know, two weeks in a row with the Packers. Yeah, it was the only. I, it was the one I thought I was gonna get wrong, and it was the only one I got right last week. So yeah, maybe he'll come through for me again this week. Yeah. All right. Uh, my pick. I picked them obviously to win the Super Bowl. I'm going Bills over Ravens. I don't feel great about it, um, hmm. but there aren't many other favorites that I do feel great about. Um, so I'm gonna trust the Bills to. Uh, bounce back against the Ravens. You know, the Ravens obviously dealing with a lot of injuries in the secondary. Um, so I do expect, obviously, Josh Allen and Gabe Davis and uh, Stephon Diggs to be able to uh, take advantage of that secondary. So I'm going Bills over Ravens for my favorite. Wow. I uh, would not have gone with them so early. But hey, go for it. That's awesome. I'd, good for you. Uh, my favorite. I'm going to... I don't know how I feel about this one. Um, I'm going to go with the Eagles over the Jaguars. Uh, Hell I, yeah! I, you, know, Art, you know, Alex would have taken it next anyway, or at least <laughs> either or. So, hey, they're the only undefeated team right now. Uh, obviously, I'm slightly more scared of the Jaguars after watching them uh, do what they did to the Chargers. But yeah, I feel like the Eagles good in the trenches. Everything's kind of clicking right now, and obviously they're undefeated. So, yeah, Eagles over Jaguars for me. Yeah, the uh, the Eagles' schedule over the next few weeks, man, like. I, I mean, obviously the Jaguars are much tougher, right? But then after, after this game, you go Cardinals, Cowboys, Steelers, Texans, Commanders. Like, this is genuinely their hardest game. I mean, the Colts after that. This is their hardest game until Thanksgiving. So that's fun. Um, all right, we've been snaking this, I think, I want to say. So I think, Tyler, that means you get the first underdog. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. Why, I don't really know why this is even an underdog, but unless I'm reading this wrong, I'm gonna go with the Rams over the 49ers. Yeah, uh, I don't really know why that they're not favored. I mean, I guess you have the San Francisco, Home you know, field, face sort know. of thing. But like, am I really <laughs> thinking that the Niners are gonna beat the Rams? Not really. So I'll go with the Rams over the 49ers. This is what Jimmy G does, though. You pick against him one week, and then you, the next <laughs> week, like he'll just have like this two touchdown game where San Francisco wins by fourteen. I don't, I don't know. This is what happens <laughs> with him. So yeah. All right, underdog uh, for me. One of the biggest surprises of the season so far, I think, is that the Falcons are like good at offense. Um, they're weird. They're one of the only two teams to be top ten in DVOA. Uh, and running and uh, passing. So I'm going to go with the Falcons over the Browns, who are playing without Miles Garrett and mm -hmm. Jadavion Clowney today. So, uh, again, don't usually like picking a team like the Falcons in this scenario, but uh, given the injuries that the Browns are dealing with on defense, I think uh, Falcons make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, my underdog pick will be a team that I don't think really should be an underdog, but Denver is a two and a half point dog to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, that feels like a pretty easy one to take right now. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. I, Denver's offense is not very good uh, and probably along there with Oak, uh, Vegas for one of the most underwhelming offenses in the league so far. But at the same time, Denver is fifth in defensive DVOA. Vegas is in the 20s. So I will trust uh, Denver's defense. I will not trust Russ at all, but uh, I will I will lean on I will lean on the Denver defense there and everything it's done to this point to get the win over Vegas. Uh, Hunter Renfro also out. Yeah, it's gonna be a real test to see if the Broncos can get to like seventeen points. You know, it's like uh, like my fantasy football squad. Uh, can you get to ninety points this week? We'll see what happens. I know you you messaged us. Hey, I finally crossed hundred points. This week. <laughs> Oh jeez! I finally got to 100, and I ended up getting like 125 or something like that. It was a miracle. That's awesome. Um, all right, Alex, your uh, either or pick here. All right, um, either or pick for this week with what we have left. Uh, did someone take the Arizona game yet, or no? Not yet. No. All right. Um, fine. I'll ride with it. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals uh, defeat the Carolina Panthers. Technically a one-point dog in that game, yeah. um, which is weird to me. But then again, it's Cliff Kingsbury. So, I mean, that that's like a three-point swing against Arizona every time. Um, so I'll take the Cardinals in that one. I, I just don't trust anything Matt Roll or Baker Mayfield do. So instinctively, I will just bet against them every time. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys see all that DJ Moore stuff from this week? Mm-mm. Trade right. rumors and stuff? or. I don't know how much I buy the trade rumors, but they're uh, everybody. All of the reporters in Carolina are asking, like, why isn't DJ Morgan in the football right now? And Matt Rule was like, well, receivers have to get open. That's their job. <laughs> it's like, it's, I'm pretty it's, sure it's, DJ Moore is getting open, man. It's it's literally a, it's a, it's Odell part two. It's the same thing from last year. Yeah. <laughs> DJ Moore's dad is going to have to post like NFL game pass <laughs> clips on Instagram to like get him out of there. Yeah, literally. Um, all right, for my pick here, I thought about going with the Vikings over the Saints, but weird things always happen in London. Um, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Andy Dalton is playing instead of Jameis and Michael Thomas is out. So I still thought about it, um, but I'm going to take the Lions over the Seahawks as my other pick. Um, I know Amon Ross St. Yeah. Brown is out, but um, the Seahawks defense is just not very good. Um, and the Lions still are just like destroying everybody in the ground game. So, uh, I'm going to take the Lions to bounce back this week against the Seahawks. Nice. Uh, not a whole lot left here. I mean, who wants to touch Chiefs Bucks? I don't know if I really want to. That could literally go either way. I was going to take Lions over Seahawks, so thanks for that one. Um, but I'm it's okay. I'm going to actually go with the Raiders over the Broncos. I feel Ooh, like they're sort of head to head for one. Yeah, head to head for sure. So someone's got to you know win there. Um, starting Mac Hollins in fantasy because he's the receiver fantasy god right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just you know emotionally very invested in this game this week. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I do think the Raiders are eventually going to win. I mean, this this is a, a tough like rooting thing because like them being owned four would be hilarious, but then that <laughs> would mean the Broncos would be three and one, and it's like oh, yeah, I don't know which one of those I want uh, to happen less. No, um, no, no, I want Josh great. McDaniels to be owned four. Um, that's the one i want (laughs) okay make the broncos win but make it just be like another like 10 to 7 game or just some other like 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. All right, we'll get to some uh, Charger score predictions here, and then we'll take some questions. So um, there are some Super Jack questions that we need to get to. But again, if you guys do feel so obliged, uh, we obviously appreciate all of that support that will go to uh, Zach and Trace and, his, and the Whitaker family. So um, Tyler, why don't you kick us off here with uh, your Chargers score prediction? Kick us off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really sweet. Uh, like I said all week, I really did not know whether I was going to pick the Chargers to win or not against the fucking Houston Texans, but here we are. Um, this is where we're at in the year. The point spread total, I think right now, is like 44 points expected, yeah. which is really depressing considering the Chargers should literally be able to do that on their own. Uh, but here we are. So I'm going to pick them to win because the Jack. Okay, going into the game against the Jaguars, they were at least, even after two weeks, top nine top seven a lot of categories the texans aren't good like they're not good right now not the chargers aren't really all that great either but i think they're slightly less bad currently and in theory herbert's a little bit better and in theory things get a bit better uh i'm gonna go chargers win but it's gonna be literally like barely and (laughs) i'm praying for good special teams and like a jc pick or something I mean, I think that was somebody's bold prediction. Was that wasn't that yours? Uh, no, it was mine. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, I'll go next here. Um, similar thought process. I think the Chargers obviously very banged up at this point. Losing Rashawn and Joey is just huge on both sides. I do think that Corey coming back, JC coming back, is as at least a, a bit of a boost, and obviously Justin being healthier. So I do expect them to get the run game going. Not to the extent of like the Texans who are are giving up like 200 yards per game on the ground or something like absurd like that. Um, but I think they'll get over 100 yards rushing, which should be a huge help. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying that super confidently, I guess. But um, I'm going to take the Chargers slightly bigger than slightly bigger uh, margin of victory than you have. I'm going to say uh, 23 to 17. So I think they cover uh, barely. Um, <laughs> so I can feel the confidence from Alex just like <laughs> moving through the computer screen. I'll take the Chargers 24 23. Um, that yeah, is, that I think we're all around the same point this week. Um, but man, I like part part of this pick is just what the fuck is this podcast gonna be if they lose to the Texans? Like, I, yeah, <laughs> they just can't. They can't lose this game. And look, Justin Herbert's really good. And this is one of those games where I think he's going to have to carry. And I think he will. Davis Mills is not Trevor Lawrence like to me. And Lovie Smith is not Doug Peterson. So I think that the Chargers can scheme things better this week. Hopefully. Um, and I think that uh, overall, that they just they can't lose this game. And that's why I'm picking the Chargers. <laughs> Yeah, if the Chargers lose this game, I will have to go pick up like an extra shift or something because we're going to lose like half of our audience the entire rest of the year. Yeah, you know, and I think that would kind of put the Chargers like officially in uh, not playoff territory. So uh, if you're two and two, obviously feel a lot better than one and three. So, Mm -hmm. all right, we'll get to some of these uh, super chat questions. Saw a couple more in there. I see Arjun as well as Holden. uh, So appreciate that from you two. Uh, we'll start with Thomas's question. Um, gotta go to work. Best wishes to Zach, Trace, and family. 
His question is, who has to die for Michael Bandy and Isaiah Spiller to get on game day rosters? Um, and then he put Bolt Fam. So um, in terms Joe, of... Jason Moore has to die. Joe, Joe Reed also <laughs> has to perish. Um, really all the practice squad receivers. Uh, and then Spiller, probably Sony Michelle. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of Spiller, uh, Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi were each asked about that this week. Um, and basically like they, they don't think that he, you know, a lot of people have talked about special teams and pass protection, right. But they flat out don't think that Isaiah Spiller is one of their three best running backs. Like that's, that's kind of where we're at with Isaiah Spiller at this point. Um, you know, they, Brandon Staley made sure to say that they're not down on Isaiah Spiller, that they still believe in him, that they really like the way that he's practicing. Um, but that was not obviously a ringing endorsement to say that he needs to be one of the three best backs. So um, we'll see how much that changes, man. Cause it's like this running game is just bad right now. And if it continues to be bad at some point, you just got to play the young guy. I think I love how in free agency, they're like, well, we didn't see any running backs. We like, so we're going to draft one. And then they draft one. They're like, no, nah, we'll sign Sandy Michelle instead. Like we don't like our, the guy yeah. that we drafted. It's just, I don't know. I guess the, good news is that spiller is it's literally one injury away from him stepping onto the field like he is the next guy for sure yeah i would assume unless they sign someone um yeah. so there's that for bandy i think it has to be like a carter injury i think that's when you start to get because he is the backup or he was like in, in uh the preseason the backup returner so i don't know if they would do that like full-time if carter went down but there's definitely a road to him being on the field if carter goes down I mean, they definitely have a type at receiver at this point, which is 6'3 plus and slow. Um, so I don't know. Like, I don't know if they would ever have like two little guy, two little slot receivers on the field at the same time. Obviously, that's DeAndre Carter. Uh, so honestly, it's pretty simple to me. If DeAndre Carter is healthy, Michael Manny is not on the field. Pretty much. So. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't know why Spiller can't get on the field. Like, I, it just me neither. I, I don't understand it. Um, you, you used a fourth round pick on him, and now you're not going to play him. <laughs> like, I, I get that it's not all about draft pick status and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, put your money where your mouth is. You used a very high day three pick to go get Isaiah Spiller, like play him. Um, as much as I talk shit about the pick, or other people did, or other people defended it at the time, like you have to see what the pick's going to be. Otherwise, are we just pushing this till next year? to see if like this pick will pan out like I, I don't know that's just how I feel about it at this point but if they really feel at this point that he's not better than what you're getting out of a pretty washed Sony Michelle like I don't I don't know like I, that's not promising yeah I mean I obviously I'm not necessarily down on Isaiah Spiller but it's it's just difficult for me to look at the players that were drafted right after Isaiah Spiller and be like oh man i mean you're talking about zach tom you're talking about romeo dobbs you're talking about a bunch of players who are like effective backups at worst for their team right now i mean zach tom is is their is the packers swing tackle at this point like he's the right backup right tackle he's a backup guard like it's just difficult man and uh, obviously seeing jt woods not play a lot either is 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 not fun it's not when you look at the draft listing of what happened and all the players that they could have chosen and instead they went with a safety and a running back who cannot see the field in place of Alohi Gilman and Sony Michelle. This is fun. 
right, we'll move on to the next question. Uh, Zach Pearson, Staley and Lombardi have their issues, but I hope they can get it clicking. In your opinion, who's the worst coaching staff the Chargers have had? Uh, Mike McCoy for me. Yeah. They had a weirdly good staff with McCoy. Like some guys left and did really <laughs> well. But like in terms of head coach, coordinator, and, and you know, defensive coordinator, yeah, probably Mike McCoy. McCoy as the coach in the last of like the last three, like the picture of him being consoled on the sideline with like his head down by Antonio <laughs> Gates. You know, we're going to get better in all three phases, like the same freaking thing every gosh dang week. Uh, that was rough. That said, <laughs> does have a playoff win, <laughs> and Brendan Staley does not. Yeah, that's right. I guess they beat the Bengals in uh, that first year, huh? Yeah, and like supposedly decent Bengals team. And they, if they weren't so banged up, they might have beat the Broncos the next time too. So yeah, and Anthony, I mean, Anthony Lynn has the Ravens win. Yeah, um, that's a huge one too. <laughs> um, the the final year of Anthony Lynn's coaching staff was pretty freaking bad too. That was terrible. That was terrible. And it's so funny to me that everybody looks at Philadelphia now and is like, Shane Steichen's a genius. We should have kept him. It's like, did we watch 2020? Like, did we watch the same team? <laughs> the team that's like 20th in every category in offense. That's the one we want back. Also, isn't Shane's not even calling plays, right? No, Shane's calling plays. No. Oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> that happened like with like four or five games left last year. He started calling the plays. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Like Arjun has also pointed this out. I think there were a lot of people at PFF who like apparently defended like Shane Steichen back in 2020. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it, you know, not crying tears that like we didn't keep Shane Steichen. But at the same time, I'm not surprised he developed into an OK play caller in Philadelphia. But right now on offense, I also feel like he has... A, a little bit more cohesiveness and definitely a better offensive line to work with, which helps a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's got the best offensive line in the, in the yeah. league right now, first of all, which is a yeah. huge help. Um, I, I think he deserves credit for leaning into what the, the Eagles do well. Right. And you know, the, that running game is just so hard to prepare for. And so he does deserve credit for obviously, you know, evolving and changing and improving, but, you know, acting like the Chargers should have kept him is just ludicrous to me. Um, all right, Arjun, I mentioned his super chat earlier. He says, super chat courtesy of the Jags and Texans who will make this back for him tomorrow anyway. Uh, and then he says, uh, Arjun. Family. Uh, so there you go. Well, Arjun, are you in the chat? What did you bet specifically for the Texans? Like that they'd win or just to cover? I think or... he just, I think he just put to cover could be wrong yeah i would bet that then yeah <laughs> probably a good one uh we had another bandy super chat what is wrong with welker 2.0 at least bandy can get separation uh welker 2.0 is a bit of a stretch um you know Wes welker we're talking about like arguably the best slot receiver ever so um i i get the sentiment again there's a lot of yeah. love for michael bandy i understand that I felt like he should have made the roster because of what he proved, but it's it's just pretty simple to me. Like they they don't they don't want two small slot receivers on the field at the same time. Yeah. Um. The problem is that the kind of receiver that the Chargers value sucks. Um. And is not very good. <laughs> so in terms of an archetype, not that I'm saying Bandy is like a whole lot better, but I don't know the, the way that I'd like to see them play it. As I said it from day one, is like if if Keenan Allen's out, 
just activate Michael Bandy. Not you're not starting Bandy in place of Allen, you know, one for one. But like, if he can play a couple snaps and maybe get a catch or two, like that's kind of what you're asking him to do. Uh, especially effective in this on special teams as well. If Mike Williams is out, then you probably should go to Jason Moore, right? Like and activate him. Like I, I just think it should be a skill set for skill set thing as opposed to like, okay, Keenan Allen's yeah. out, so we're gonna activate Jason Moore and then not play him. Like that that's that's been the thing for the decision making there. Um so I don't know. I <laughs> have consistently disagreed with the Chargers and the types of receivers that they like. Um I, I don't understand their fascination with trying to get all the slow receivers, like it's some reverse Thanos infinity gauntlet thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know that DeAndre Carter was five, eight. He's five, I, really I think didn't. he's five, five, nine. He's five, eight, five, he's, he's five, eight and a half, but he's yeah, a short five, king. Eight, five, nine. Yeah, he's, I, I did not know that was very little. Oh, I mean, he plays awesome. Yeah. That's the other thing though. I have the chargers really gotten DeAndre Carter involved. Not really. Like it almost feels like just, it happens not because mm-hmm. they specifically he's not like the involved. number one read by any means no yeah so wh- when are we getting bandy involved in that progression that's like, true probably not like if carter himself who they signed who is at this point a better pro can't even really get involved i don't really see bandy getting involved either not that he wouldn't be good but this team clearly like does not know how to get carter super involved so i don't really see bandy also getting involved yeah, I think it it just at this point, like the Jason Moore thing doesn't make any sense to me. And I understand like if you want to activate him for a game or two, but you don't need to sign him to the active roster. Like you didn't need to do that. You still had more times to activate him if you wanted to from the practice squad. Um, you know, I, I just feel like they should have been kind of waiting and just been more experimental with the receiver core at this point. Like, let's see what Joe Reed can do. Let's see what Michael Banny can do. Let's see what John Hightower can do. And then you can decide who to sign to the active roster. So I didn't like that they just made that decision preemptively and were like, oh, Jason Moore's been here. Like, let's just let's just roll with it. Because um, now you're talking about, you know, in four receiver sets, you're talking about Jason Moore, Mike Williams on the outside, DeAndre Carter, Josh Palmer in the slot. There, there's just no spacing there, man. There's no speed. There's no, nobody's threatening vertically. Like, I, I just have a hard time envisioning that being like a successful four receiver set. Um, all right, Holden Sanchez here. Uh, glad you're helping the Bull fam and fellow dad. Best wishes to maybe Tra- Trace and mm. family. Bolt up. Appreciate the uh, super chat there. Holden, another one of the uh, original supporters of the show. So uh, appreciate yeah. that, Holden. Just a couple on LDE Bruin is usually in here donating or saying something. Um, he donated to the GoFundMe. That's great. My dad also donated. So we are, we're cruising. The GoFundMe is at 2,500 right now. Ooh, um, nice. So that's up like a grand from yesterday. So that's that's great. There we go. I didn't miss any other super chats today. Um, I will. So there's one from Steve. Oh, sorry, you just said that one. <laughs> um, I don't believe so. I'm yeah, scrolling I, don't up. I, I, I think I got all of them. But yeah, you hit every super chat so far. And yeah, see guys, proof that w- there's at least one good Raiders fan in the world. <laughs> uh zach mentioned this earlier can never thank everyone enough for this you know it's it's a tough spot to be in you know i i always generally hate asking for help um but i you know i I think it takes obviously a a special circumstance to you know reach out to people like this and um obviously echo the same thoughts man i think you know we always do stuff like this or not always but 
Uh, every time we do this, it's uh, a good turnout. People are, are so generous with the way that they support people in a tough time, which I think is is very needed in today's society. So um, obviously, I'm not going through it, but I, I do want to echo Zach's thoughts and just thank you guys for uh, supporting him, supporting us, and uh, spreading the good vibes today. Yeah, we're, we're in the witching hour. We have 20, 25 minutes left. So to get down to the real ethos of the show to help Zach and his family, <laughs> super chat in your best food question. <laughs> i feel there like we, we have go. to cross like an hour and 10 minutes and then go on a 20 <laughs> to 25 minute food tangent look like, we might lose to the texans tomorrow this is dire straits <laughs> oh if we lose to the texans we're yeah we'll make it's just a food podcast yeah it's just me cooking in the back with funeral potatoes <laughs> like steven can walk us through a cooking demo for 20 minutes <laughs> there we go there we go I'm just gonna fly to Florida and shoot every bird outside of Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> an hour. It's me with a buckshot shooting little birds. Just sit on a bucket with a BB gun and just go and ham. <laughs> no, I'm bringing a 12 gauge. I'm just gonna shoot everything <laughs> that walks. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, Athir asking, yeah, can yeah. Everett get 100 yards this week? Um, we've seen him get close. I feel like, haven't we? Get like have seventy like, uh, something. Yeah, didn't he have like seventy against the Chiefs? Isn't he our leading receiver right now? Actually, I think DeAndre Carter might be our leading receiver right now. Oh wow! Okay, it's either him or Carter, but uh, it's, Paul, it's possible. Are you looking oh. it up, Tyler? Yeah. Okay. They just do things. I think one of them's tied for like forty-fifth in the league, and the other's like fifty-first or something. I think Williams is like fourth in receiving yards or third it's Eckler ahead of him hold on I, I saw this earlier too so Everett's tied with DeAndre Carter for the lead with 150 okay. then Eckler then Mike Williams um, Eckler has a one yard lead over Williams Williams is a four yard lead over Josh Palmer so if Josh Palmer has a decent week uh, Mike Williams will be the fifth leading receiver of this team with Keenan out <laughs> 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 this is this is coping this is uh this is how we cope uh, on the podcast um no like i think it's it's definitely frustrating that they're not kind of funneling targets towards mike williams it's like you're paying him 20 million dollars to just like be third fiddle to deandre carter and and josh palmer like i don't get it deandre carter is the best receiver on the chargers but this is not how i wanted it to happen <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault. I know it is. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. We had uh Zach Pearson with another super chat. He's just on fire today. Uh, which charger player current and former would you bring with you to a fight? So you get two players to bring with you to a fight. I think former, I think you have to go with Mike Pouncey. Like I, I think Mike Pouncey <laughs> has to be one of the choices here. Can I bring Antonio Cromartie and I get all 20 of his kids? <laughs> Is that an option? That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> um, current Charger. I'm trying to think oh, of like current. who's like um, the meanest. My, my first thought here was Sebastian Joseph Day, but like he's so nice. It would have been Linval if it were still here. Hundred percent, hundred percent would have been Linval. I, I think it's uh, Khalil, probably. Oh I mean, uh, yeah, that's a good one. I, I feel he's got like, the money yeah. to win the lawsuit too, so yeah, <laughs> all good. 
Yeah, Khalil's a good one. So I'll officially go with Khalil and uh, Mike Pouncey. Yeah, probably Sean Merriman is another former one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would low-key want to see Philip Rivers throw down because I, I think he probably could. Like, he's just unbeatable. Like, no injuries sustained. His, like, stamina and chin is, like, at maxed out. Uh, Holden Sanchez says Lorenzo Neal. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one oh, as yeah. well. Um, unfortunately, he has a bit of a history with that. Um, oh. <laughs> but it's okay. You know, you're not, not you're, this is a, not, not talking about a morality question here. <laughs> so I think that's a fine choice. No one's um, bringing Bandy. <laughs> <laughs> I think the uh, future lawyer uh, that's 5'7 is probably the, the, lowest person on that list for me i'm bringing i'm bringing michael bandy to a chess match though you 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 schedule <laughs> like that any day of the week i'm taking michael bandy there you go um steven rutledge uh best brisket method foil paper or boat uh i have no idea i, I like to I cook but I've, I've never smoked a brisket yeah so uh <laughs> if anybody else in the chat wants to ask that question you can go ahead i feel like i've mostly see foil but i don't know um, LA Chargers fan, I think there could be a change in philosophy this week. State staff maybe feels the pressure making a change to Sawyer in the bargaining minute. He was conservative. The change to Sawyer surprised me. It surprised all of us, but um, mm-hmm. Alex, what do you make of a potential change in coaching philosophy? Um, I, I don't know if it's a change in coaching philosophy other than they realized, hey, we threw Storm Norton out there for 17 games last year. We can't do that again or we're going to get fired. <laughs> like, was yeah. that the change? Um, you know, I, I mean, I think the big thing there was they had always kind of, you know, the idea throughout the offseason was kicking Filer out to right tackle. And then, you know, um, you you put Pipkins out at left tackle then. But, um, you know, that with Filer's performance this year, I think that probably changed uh, their ideas, like what would happen in this emergency situation. But I think this is always kind of how they viewed Storm Norton, right? Like they view him at, in after the Raiders game last year as solely an emergency backup. Um, and now I think that's getting put to the test because they, they, they don't trust him with their jobs on the line very clearly. Yeah. I think if uh, in regards to the decision for Sawyer, I think we all would have felt very differently if they had had him in that competition from day one mm-hmm. and said like, Hey, we're going to draft this guy. We're just going to do our best to get him on the field. We think he's one of our best five linemen uh, or best six linemen. And we'll figure out his spot later. Um, he can play tackle. He can play guard. I think we would all feel very different with this situation. I mean, he's, he said that he's taken like left tackle reps and right tackle reps on his own like after practice and like working with his trainer and like sure. stuff like that. Sure. I don't know, but he's, he didn't take any left tackle snaps and practice in training camp or anything like that. So again, I feel like if you had had this plan for him to be like just a swing lineman and we're just playing him everywhere, I think we would feel differently about a, the situation and B the draft, because then that means that you've got your backup left tackle in the sixth round, which I think obviously kind of helps uh, that situation be a little bit more positive. I wonder how much Nugent plays into Salier switching or going to left tackle. Like, would they have done this last year with Frank Smith? I don't know. They didn't do a whole lot of shuffling last year. But yeah. someone thankfully stepped in and said, listen, please, good God, do not make me do this with Storm Norton. So whoever yeah. that was, awesome. Yeah, hat tip to whoever that was. 
uh here's our food question tyler's mom wants to know <laughs> favorite food your mom makes uh so tyler can certainly answer this question my favorite meal that my mom makes is uh is pot roast she makes a great pot roast mashed potatoes carrots uh with a nice little like caesar salad so um that's my that's always my request whenever i go back home um beef wellington if you ever had beef wellington it's amazing. interesting Okay. giant filet mignon with prosciutto and mushroom you know coated around it and then you put like this pastry around it as well just look it up it's amazing and it, it's it's so 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 good like spared no expense on the filet mignon it's always like the great piece and it's delicious and yeah that's that's the best thing i think we never have guessed uh an english meal for uh in the shoon family for my white mother yeah <laughs> who <would have> thought <laughs> I your mom i thought you said your mom was like italian no <laughs> i mean oh. she's a little bit italian sure like she, okay she's not like we're not english but like she's white <laughs> okay fair enough fair enough <laughs> alex anything to add oh. there uh well i, I just want to say on the beef wellington thing my youtube shorts have been rated by gordon ramsay roasting like people's beef wellington attempts um so <laughs> i've seen that uh mm, favorite food my mom makes uh palmini uh, I like I like the one she makes. Uh, other than that, um, I, I I don't like my mom's cooking. To be completely honest with you, whenever, <laughs> oh, she, whenever she orders out, that's better. She doesn't watch the podcast anyway, so you know that's for the best. <laughs> DoorDash. Yeah. I hate um, it when other family members can't cook and you have to eat their food and say it's good. So. Yeah, whenever we have uh, Thanksgiving with my with my mom's family, her sister always volunteers to make the turkey, and it's just always it's awful, it's it's terrible. So last year when when we went to Thanksgiving, I uh, volunteered to take a tri tip, and that was fantastic. Why is there somebody behind Alex? No, there's like the Slender Man behind me or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Zach, you seeing Ghost Man? <laughs> I I don't know. Yeah, are you. Uh... Wait, who was the guy who was seeing Ghost last year? Was it? Oh, it was Sam Darnold that year. Sam Darnold, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, anytime I think about like any uh, any family members cooking that I don't like, it's that like everybody loves Raymond episode where like yes. he's trying to <laughs> like spaghetti and meatballs and like trying to get a positive review on it, but he just can't. Uh, Jesus with another super chat. Uh, Telesco and co failed at drafting Khalil Herbert and not drafting Khalil Herbert. Now we'll never see Herbert hand off to Herbert. Um, we've talked about that a lot. So yeah. I, I, that's definitely playing to the crowd here. Um, uh, but he wants to know what's the top priority so far for next year's draft at this point. I, pr I promise Jesus Lorenzo is not a burner that I made. Um, <laughs> that, I promise. You would never give us money, Alex. I I, yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> Um, yeah. In terms of next year's draft, though, I mean, just kind of projecting forward of like who's free agents and stuff like that. We know Brandon Staley is going to want to invest it in the trenches. So I would put strong money on a pass rusher next year. Um, depends on what, you know, I guess is most prevalent at the top of the first rounds and second rounds, which we'll see um, just more premium positions, right? Like they just need guys who can contribute at edge pass rusher. Like Steven said, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised knowing Staley's aggressive nature and probably Michael Davis being gone that they go for another cornerback um, sure. as well on the defensive side of the ball, probably like a six, 
four four eight wide receiver i mean like that's that's probably what they're gonna go for um but yeah yeah defensive back i think is a good one because uh nasir adderley is a free agent hasn't been playing well uh lohi gilman also a free agent mark webb is a free agent so safety room right now is currently derwin and uh jt woods so i guess strong money on an edge is probably a little bit of a strong of a take but um defensive back edge i feel like it's probably one and two at this point no i, I don't hate the idea of, of well trenches in general but i do believe pass rusher is kind of it and I, I like i have feel like we've always said the last three years wouldn't rule out an edge rusher in the first round especially with and listen joey bosa doesn't stay very healthy and after 2023 there is an out for them um will they take it i don't know why would you know he's one of the best pass rushers in the league at the same time, if we're consistently at this point where you're missing, you know, six games, eight games, if it gets worse this year, if it, next year we have more injury issues, yeah, I could see edge rusher being something they address next year just to get ahead of, you know, both Khalil and Joey either getting up there in age or getting hurt again. And right now, like, edge three is not, like, it's not good. It's been very limited action for them, but it hasn't worked out. They do need somebody else. Um, and if it's a bit of a luxury to take another edge rusher, at you know next year in the first round fine but all of a sudden you'll really want one really really bad and all of a sudden it will really make a lot of sense that they took one well, wide wide receiver could be interesting i mean we obviously with keenan's status right now um throughout the season mike williams sort of on a really a two-year deal here um and then you, you know you just get to the fact that they haven't invested that much in wide receiver in these drafts outside of josh palmer um in the brand Staley era so i you know we obviously like heard rumors the last two years of like you know do they trade up for jameson williams or like do they you know make that move up the draft so uh i i wouldn't say that that was always something it probably was closer to nothing than it was to something but at the same time i could see them just thinking hey we have justin herbert let's go get like a premium kind of playmaker yeah um i, I think we we do see probably a defensive pick next year um obviously a lot of people are going to talk about right tackle but honestly man like trey pipkins has been good like like no qualifiers like good so um you know I, I think they're potentially set at right tackle with pipkins they definitely need to get a new swing tackle next year absolutely yeah. needs to happen mm -hmm. um but i think they could probably do that in the free agency was the market down for right tackles this year because they just weren't like great or because like some guys yeah. signed for really cheap and i don't think pipkins really exceeds most of those guys like it feels like morgan moses contract right like that sort of range although morgan and moses probably should have gotten more yeah the the market in general is just like it's such a big drop off from the top guys to that next tier mm -hmm. um you know, you're talking about Taylor Moten is fifth right now, and Rob Havenstein is is sixth, at, and that's a six and a half million dollar difference between the two of them. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll see. Chukuma Okorafor got, um, mm -hmm. I think it was three years at nine point seven five. That feels like a lot to me. Um, Lyle Collins got three for twenty one. That feels like the absolute ceiling. But yeah, mm -hmm. you know, I think you could realistically justify again. He has to keep finishing the season this way. Sure. But if he keeps this up, I feel like you could justify like a three for 18 for Trey Pipkins. And I, that would put him, um, you know, right in like Trent Brown, Morgan Moses territory, like right in between those two players. 
imagine Which, what a world man like this is yeah. like i i cannot believe like i'm sitting here watching trey pivkins on film and i'm like he's good like 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 full stop like he's played at a really high level right now um in terms of right tackles and obviously i'm not going to call him an elite right tackle by any means um but he's playing well man and he deserves a contract next year in my opinion i would argue too he's he hasn't hit his ceiling right like this is i know he's developed for four years but like he just is officially now a starter so yeah i'm hey i'll take it hey they were already talking about the draft <laughs> oh yeah we're, we're about 27 hours away from potentially yeah really in the work. worst case scenario i i think if they lose to the texans tomorrow and it's like bad like if it's over 20 points then we just do a mock draft and throw out the show. <laughs> it's just anyone. a mock. Just, just full seven rounder. Full uh, seven have rounder. No clue who anyone outside of like the top twenty five. Yeah, is. Let's, let's go. Just just helmet drafting. <laughs> Ed saying there needs to be a waiver in Trey Pipkin's contract that he needs to continue training with Duke. I mean, I would imagine that he keeps doing that because it worked out so well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no reason not to. Um, How would you? All right. f- what what kind of year would you need to see from Salyer to commit to him as your right tackle? Or if you see a good year from him, is he just your left guard? I think if you see a good year from him, he's just the left guard. Like I, I think yeah, if Pip, if Salyer plays well, then you're cutting Matt Filer, which would kind of suck from what he was last year. But um, then you're talking about Rashawn Slater, Jamari Salyer. Corey Lindsay, Zion Johnson, and Trey Pipkins mean your starting lineup. And then you can uh, add some uh, quality veteran backups. Mm-hmm. You obviously still have Hymas. So, what's the, what's about the cap group. on cutting Filer again? Is it like seven mil, what they save or something along those lines? Uh, it was like, it's like six and a half, I think. Yeah. Mm, okay. But like, if, if that kind of pays for you to get Pipkins, which just sounds insane, what are we doing? Ask me prioritizing trades over Matt Filer. If you would have told me that would be happening <laughs> a month ago, I would be like, "The fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> oh man, that's football. Um, yeah. So officially, uh, they take a two million dollar dead cap and cut him Matt Filer and save six point five. Okay. And then you're also talking about potentially cutting Michael Davis. Which how much do we say saves seven. Like seven? Right. It's nine in base salary and then two in dead cap. So I think it's seven. Yeah, seven point four is the official savings there. So that's that's uh, a good chunk of change for uh, some free agents and some re-signings that you can make. Um, all right, so we'll take one more super chat. Someone's got one more super chat, and then we'll we'll head out of here. So if you want it to be a food question, we've officially passed an hour. So um, hit us <laughs> up with your. Someone did ask uh, Utah is more likely to win at Oregon or Rutgers is more likely to cover 40 and a half at Ohio State. <laughs> and I think it's Utah over Oregon. Yeah. I'm sorry. They're favored by what? Ohio State is a 40 and a half point favorite over Rutgers <laughs> in, in Ohio. Oh, my God. Uh, so Ohio State, they, they've scored the most touchdowns in college football so far this year. Their <laughs> offense is like insane. Marvin Harrison um, is going to have like six touchdowns. Tonight. 
Yeah. I know they got off to a little bit of a slow start against Notre Dame and people were like, oh, this is not going to be the good teams. Like Ohio yeah. State's an, a great team. Their offense yeah, I'm just, is Yeah, I'm just straight up not watching. I'm, I'm not going to watch it. I can't do it to myself again. But if you guys had to guess who is second in uh, touchdown score this year, who would you guess in college football? Is this something where it ends up being Utah? No, no, no. It's not a no. Utah-related question. That's my first thought, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the answer is actually Kansas. The Kansas wow. Jayhawks have the second most touchdowns in college football. Rock chalk. Yeah. All right, I'm not seeing any more questions popping up. Um, not UCLA. I mean, they scored like 17 points against South Alabama last week. So that makes sense, what they were able to do against Washington. Um. All right. I think that's a good spot to end it then. Um, Alex, any final thoughts about tomorrow before we uh, head out? We're going to beat the Texans because they need to keep saying this over and over again for my sanity. Oh, we just got one more super chat. Oh, favorite. All good. Zach's been firing away, so he deserves to. <laughs> this is actually a really fun question. I, I loved cartoons growing up as a kid. Um, we'll go youngest to oldest here. So, Alex, what were your favorites? Um, well, I mean... Uh, the old uh, Batman the Animated Series, that's always a great one. Uh, the Justice League cartoon was really good. Mm. I'm trying to think of like other ones off the top of my head that I really liked. Um, obviously, like the the peak of SpongeBob before it like went downhill. That yeah. obviously is like top tier. Um, can't think of a lot of other ones that I like loved off the top of my head. I'm trying to think. Yeah, those you mentioned, obviously, yeah, SpongeBob for sure. Um, sort of a cartoon but like Yu-Gi-Oh, pokemon like those oh yeah very yeah. on brand yeah. I, I know i didn't i didn't i didn't consider <laughs> them cartoons yeah because they're anime but they like walk the line i don't know yeah richard said hey arnold that was always a good one yeah um didn't i liked i liked rocket power a lot the uh like oc uh skateboarder cartoon and then uh mm -hmm. danny phantom was one of my favorites yeah. as oh, well danny Phantom's a good one Jimmy Neutron was always a good time as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Curse the Cowardly Dog. I was never super into that show. Oh, I was into it because it was weird. Um, <laughs> um, Curse the Cowardly Dog was cool. I, Did you? Were you an Ed, Ed, and Eddie guy? Oh, yeah. Ed, Ed, and Eddie was good. Um, I, I didn't know that show was like a Canadian thing until like a couple years ago, until someone pointed it out to me. I just thought it was an American thing for a long time. Um... Justin Timberlake says Dexter's Lab. So shout out to Justin. Wow, Timberlake. we got Justin Timberlake in here. Fire, fire in a super <laughs> chat. Yeah, for, super for Zach. I will sing any of your songs if you fire in a super chat. Like <laughs> one more super chat, and yeah, we'll do Justin Timberlake. That's how that's how we end the show. Is oh, Tyler. Dragon Tales. Oh my god, I forgot about Dragon Tales. That was an oldie. Oh, Recess was super cool as well. Oh, Recess was fun. Yeah, we, re we really grew up in the golden era of uh, cartoons. Kids today will never know. They, they won't. Um, I don't even know like what cartoons are on today. Are cartoons Stones. still a thing? Like they are, but like I don't know in what forms. Because then I'll like find like one of my younger cousins who's like watching. <laughs> I said Drake and Josh. <laughs> Drake and Josh was a great cartoon. One of my it was a great anime. show. It one was of my a great favorite show. animes of all time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, samurai jack Ooh. samurai jack was awesome yeah good call i never i never watched the sequel one that they did a couple years ago though i didn't i heard mixed things though but i don't know 
I just watched the end. Oh, okay. Which is just like, I don't know. You guys, you can watch it. Uh-oh. We got to sing it, Tyler. <laughs> I got to find the stupid... Hold on. Hold on. Cry me a river there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Cry me a river. Cry me a river. I, gotta... I don't know the lyrics to that one as much. <laughs> we hit triple digits. I will freaking in sync this shit, though. Oh my god, we're gonna go down to like eight viewers. <laughs> I'm dying right now. Uh, he's clapping for you, so good job, I guess. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. Okay, all right. Uh, all right, I gotta go because Utah football is about to kick off in uh, 30 minutes or so. <laughs> Richard, and now the season has officially got off the rails. <laughs> oh, oh this we haven't gotten tomorrow. off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! If anyone ever wonders why we do this show when the Chargers are having a rough time, it's it shows like today that really like it's therapeutic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm glad I could give you guys some therapy. That's yeah, <laughs> whatever all right so uh yeah we'll be going live tomorrow for our recap after the afternoon games in between sunday night football obviously hope you guys tune in for that one and uh, appreciate all the support today for zach whitaker and his family going through a tough time we'll be sure to uh hit those funds over uh to the gofundme which again is linked in the chat here if you feel obliged to donate there so that's going to do it for us today guys as always bolt up